The Gallagher Amendment capped property taxes in Colorado until voters were stupid enough to repeal it by passing a completely duplicitous ballot question written by state legislators they stupidly elected. So, now who is really to blame for their property taxes going up 30 to 70% in one year? I'm John Caldera, president of Independence Institute. I put that question to Ben Murray, head of our Fiscal Policy Center. This is the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to youtube.com and searching for our channel, IITV, which stands for Independence Institute TV. Or just go to thinkfreedom.org. You're going to find this discussion very interesting. Depending upon when you watch this, you have opened up this little evaluation of your home. Well, if you rent, your landlord has opened up this little tax evaluation of your home and your eyes rolled out of your head going, please, somebody buy my house for that amount. What you haven't seen is the tax statement that's coming in a few months based on that new assessment of your property to tell you why and how much you're gonna pay Ben Murray from our Fiscal Policy Center at the Independence Institute. So glad to have you. Thanks, John. All right, so there was a news story about, oh my God, property taxes are gonna be really high. This is not news to us because you've been on top of this for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is an issue we've been watching since 2020 when they repealed Gallagher, but I've been doing a video series on this for the past about month and a half, and we've been talking about this, going in depth, giving Coloradans more information. It's actually a great little video series, despite your ugly mug being in it. Go to the YouTube channel, look for IITV for Independence Institute Television, and it really brings folks up to speed in a pretty quick time about how we got here. So let's just do a quick recap. You said we repealed Gallagher. What was Gallagher for people who don't know? And so they're opening up, they get their thing in the mail and go, your house is worth this. And people are going, well, it's two things. They go, oh my God, I'm wealthy. My house is worth this. And then the second thing is, oh my God, I'm going to have to pay taxes on something worth that? Because of Gallagher, you're going to be paying so much more in property taxes. Because, because Gallagher was repealed. Was repealed. Yes. <laughs> what was Gallagher? Who was, still is, Gallagher? What I'm not going to do, because I don't want your audience to fall asleep, is give a technical in-depth explanation. I already talked. <laughs> as soon as I started talking, yeah. they started sleeping. Uh, Gallagher's complicated, but basically what it is, is a was, was a constitutional mechanism, an amendment in the state constitution that limited the growth in property taxes over time. It was especially effective at limiting the growth of property taxes for homeowners. What I loved about Gallagher, what I hated about Gallagher, what I loved as a homeowner is it kept my property taxes relatively low. And you had friends in New York and you said, oh yeah, my property tax, it's about $3,000 a year. And they go, what? It's 25 grand a year here in New York and it's this much over here. What I dislike from a policy point of view about Gallagher is it gave commercial property taxes such a high rate. And so people pay taxes and they would hide taxes in commercial property, you still pay for it. King Supers is paying a lot more in property taxes. They pass it along to you in every loaf of bread. We're still paying for it. 
And so I always thought that Gallagher just hid those taxes to homeowners and made their property taxes look lower. Is that a fair criticism? Yeah, I mean, Gallagher wasn't perfect policy. After all, it was... Mr. Gallagher was a Democrat. Stop <laughs> it. No, it, I mean, it really, it, it, it was better than nothing. It did protect homeowners from these huge increases we're seeing now. It wasn't perfect policy. But I, still, I voted against the repeal. You voted against the repeal. If we loved to have more transparency in taxes, why did we vote against the repeal? Well, here's the thing. Even though... Gallagher over time caused the property tax burden to be more lopsided on the side of commercial. Repealing it didn't help commercial, right? It just hurt everybody. We would have been better off repealing it and replacing it at the same time with something better. Like what? Well, what I've proposed, and you can look at this in my most recent video that we released um, uh, just this week, is doing something where you allow property tax revenues for local districts to grow every year but you just limit how much can grow. So right now, because Gallagher's gone, if your home's value went up 45% over the last two years from the last valuation period to this new one, your property taxes are gonna go up 45%. There's no reason why local government needs a 45% pay increase just because on your paper, your house is worth 45% more. It doesn't make any sense, right? So you say, okay, look, local revenues can grow by inflation plus any new new homes that were built. You You can add that on top of it as well. And that makes sense. And the sin of property tax is it's an ugly tax. It's an ugly tax that when you buy something, let's say, oh, I don't know, this incredible model of the original, not one of the laters, enterprise. So you bought this and you paid for it. But the idea that in order for you to keep it, you got to keep paying money to, to the government. And over time, the government says, you know, that thing's worth more. And it, because there's so few of them and the location is nice, you got to pay more and more and more and more. And so just to keep this thing that maybe you pay 10 bucks for, now it's worth $1,000. You're supposed to pay $100 a year just for the pleasure of keeping it. You can't afford to keep it. And you have to sell it just to pay the taxes on it. And at some point, you're pricing people out of the homes they've already paid, they've paid off. There's something truly evil about escalating property taxes based on their assessed values, particularly for older folks who've already paid off their homes. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up older folks because who this hurts the most is people on fixed incomes, right? So you're on social security, you're on a fixed income or you're living off your retirement and your property taxes go, or property taxes are going up as your home's value rises because we don't have Gallagher to protect us anymore. Meanwhile, your income hasn't changed. You're on a fixed income. And this is really, really painful for people like seniors who are on fixed income. Now, as a side note, last year, a bill was introduced, I believe by a Republican, that would have increased the senior homestead exemption, which helps kind of buffer that for seniors. The senior homestead exemption hasn't changed since the year 2000. Think about how much home prices have gone up. And Republicans introduced a bill that said, hey, let's adjust, finally adjust this for all the increase in home prices. And Democrats killed that bill to protect seniors last year. And it's not just seniors too. There are a lot of people who finally are, got into their home and because of no, no change in their status, they did nothing, but all of a sudden their house is worth this immense amount of money. At the height of the market explosion is when these evaluations were done. Now their house is worth you know 
50% more. Mm-hmm. That's great. Makes them feel good. Now they have to pay 50% more in property taxes. But my house hasn't changed. Well, You're not giving me 50% more in governmental services. Uh, it makes sense that if inflation has gone up by 4%, right 5% right now, 5%, then great. We should pay 5% more in taxes. If there's more homes, well, those homes should pay their way. Those will automatically pay for themselves because now they're paying property taxes. So let them pay for themselves. Great. That adds to the base. Yeah, and, and so what I think we should do is we should say, okay, look, let's look at all the existing homes and we, and we allow their the, the revenue from the existing homes' property taxes to increase by the amount of inflation. So that way government's keeping up with inflation. And then after you do, you do that, you go, okay, now let's look at whatever new homes have been built, okay? And then you tax those new homes at the same rate. But you don't just let property taxes go up by 40% just because property values have gone up by 40%. I thought when we passed the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, 1992, that we solved this problem. That Tabor said, listen, we know that property values can go up, but as property values go up, the mill levy, those the percentage that you get taxed, is automatically going to go down so that the amount of tax you pay is the same. I mean, yeah, we'll adjust it for inflation, but it's going to stay the same. I thought we already solved this problem constitutionally. So that's a great point. First of all, I'll say that that for the counties that haven't detabored, that haven't decoupled themselves from that Tabor limit, that is, Tabor is the only thing still protecting homeowners. That's number one. Number two- What counties are those? I, I couldn't name all of them. Jefferson so, so, County is so Douglas, one, one of the yeah, big ones. Douglas, Jeffco, and I think El Paso are like- Those, are, think, the big, those are the big ones. I think those are the big ones that haven't. So, and think, that's great. That's great for them. But keep in mind, it's not just detabering for counties. It's it's every the local cities, district. It's water the city, districts, it's library district, blah blah blah. Right. So you have to keep that in mind. Now, Tabor is the one thing still protecting homeowners to some extent because even though a lot of districts have uh, gotten rid of the cap, that that requirement in Tabor that any rate increase get voter approval that's still protecting everybody, right? So. Your property tax may go up as your home's value rises, but at least they can't raise the mills on you without asking you. That's something, right? <laughs> when there was a lawsuit about this and the Colorado Supreme Court said that Bill Ritter's um, freeze, mill levy freeze. I love I loved the, the Orwellian title of this, the freeze. Oh my God, he's freezing the mill levies. This is great. They won't go up. No, what the freeze was, was for them not to go down. So he froze them, yeah. and the, <laughs> the Colorado Supreme Court ruled that wasn't a violation of the Constitution, Tabor. And we were part of that lawsuit. The Independence Institute was part of that lawsuit that said, you can't do that. And went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and they said, mm, they called it a fee. And if they call it a fee, they can do it. Well, and you're getting at something, John, that I think people really have to understand. And I believe Gallagher ended up being repealed by voters because voters didn't understand this, which is if they freeze your mill levy or the assessment rate, if they freeze the rate, then that means you will get an automatic property tax increase, right? By the rate being the same. What Gallagher did is it said, as your home value goes up, the rate comes down so that your tax actually stays the same. With Gallagher gone- Wait, stop, stop there again, because I. 
I want to make sure people get that, especially if you're listening on to the podcast, which you can get on any good platform, that yes, your assessments keep going up as home prices go up here in Colorado. Maybe when they go down, that'll be that'll change. But the mill levy rates under Tabor would go down. So your assessment rate goes up. What what the rate is? Let's. I know the mill sounds weird, but the the percentage rate that you pay on your assessment would automatically go down so that what you paid, your if it was $5,000 a year, it would stay roughly the same every and year. And in truth, it, it would rise a little bit, but Based just not inflation. dramatically. Yeah, not dramatically. But when you, after this lawsuit, after uh, the legislature, God bless the legislature, by calling that mill levy freeze a fee, a fee increase, by calling in a fee, and it didn't go to the vote of the people, they locked that rate into place. So now as assessments go up, then your rates go up. So what then saved us from skyrocketing uh, property taxes? And you say it was Gallagher. It was Gallagher at that time, yeah, and that's of course no longer in place. Because Gallagher would say that, all right, uh, most of this is gonna go to, to commercial property and it's gonna lock uh, our residential down at a lower mill levy. Right. And people are, there's a little bit of a misnomer with Gallagher. Um, a lot of people more on the right thought repealing Gallagher was a good idea because it hurt commercial property. Um, that's not really true. It just didn't help commercial as much as it helped residential. And over time, it put more of the share of the burden onto commercial. But it actually limited the growth of property taxes for everybody, right? Because what it did is it said, Commercial property taxes, the, the assessment rate is fixed at 29%. Well, that's a protection. It can't go to 30%. It can't go to 35%. It can't go to 49% of what? Of the, uh, of the actual market value of the, of the property. I don't know how much you want to get into the weeds right, of how let, property taxes I, work. Let me take a shot at this because it, it does get kind of weird. So let's just say, a, um, for simplicity, a house is worth 100 grand. Sure. All right. So the house market value is worth a hundred grand. That's the assessment. And then they, they actually take a assessment rate. Is that what they call it? Yes. And the assessment rate for on residential property is under Gallagher. When Gallagher was repealed, it was 7.15%. All right. So they take, they take 7.1%. Let's just call it 7%. And so they say, we take your hundred grand, multiply it by 7%. So we take seven grand and then we tax that seven grand. Yes. All right, on, on commercial property, uh, let's say that same property was worth a hundred grand, for simplicity. Sure. You're telling me that they would then say, we take 29% of that. Right. And then we, we put the rate to 29%. So they take 29 grand and do it. All right, but if I'm hearing you right, you're saying Gallagher limited those. So it was 29 here, it was seven there. And we might not like that the split was uneven, but at least it was limited. Right. And so people on the right who supported the repeal didn't like that commercial had that higher limit. But you're saying it was still a limit. It was still some kind of a limit. Interesting. Right? Now we've okay. gotten rid of it. So like I said, commercial properties aren't better off because Gallagher's gone. It's just everybody's worse off. So what happened? What are those limits now? So this gets into a lot of policy changes that have happened, but Essentially, the legislature put Amendment B on the ballot in 2020, which was the amendment that required voter approval to repeal the Gallagher Amendment. Right? You need a constitutional amendment to repeal a constitutional amendment. 
That was Amendment B. Amendment B started like this. And when, as you and I very well know, <laughs> when the legislature puts something on the ballot, they get to play by a very different set of rules than when you and I go and put something on the ballot like we're doing this year. And what, what Amendment B said is asked voters, very first line, without increasing property tax rates. So it made it sound like property taxes weren't going to go up. Without increasing property tax rates, shall we fund police and schools and puppies and unicorns and all these nice things? And so voters looked at that and we went, oh, gee, my property taxes aren't going to go up and I'm going to get all these nice things. Now, you and I know, based on what we just discussed, that if the rate stays the same, that's a tax increase every time your home value goes up. Gallagher said, as your home's value goes up, the rate goes down so your taxes don't grow too much. They convinced voters to repeal that through very, very deceptive means. Let me repeat that because what you said is a mouthful. It is so, it is the worst type of used car salesman tactic without raising tax rates. But absolute, but taking off the limits of what we tax and therefore increasing tax collections by a gob is really what it should have said. So yeah, we're not going to touch tax rates, but what we tax is going to grow enormously. And now it's off to the races. And stupid conservatives, stupid conservatives who said, oh, no, this is good because it, as you said, it will help level the playing field and we won't be so mean to, to, um, to, to commercial real estate. And by the way, I disliked Gallagher for that same reason, that it's unfair. Yeah, it was it's silly. A, it's a way, it was it's silly a policy. Way, it's a way to hide taxes. Yes, and I do not people. like that. I totally agree with you, John. Yeah, and I, I looked at Gallagher. And I said, "This is another way that that liberals hide tax taxes from voters." In the same way that our hospital provider fee, which is a tax, is by law not allowed to go on your hospital bill. So you go to the hospital hospital, and you look at your hospital bill, and you go, "Oh my God, this is so much." Well, a lot of it is a tax that the legislature put there without a vote, and by law, they tell the hospital, you cannot, under law, tell your patient about this tax where you have to pay. I mean, this, this is just immoral, unethical crap that our legislature does to us. So that's why I, don't like, I didn't like that provision of, of, of Gallagher. So many conservatives feel the same way about that, and they voted to repeal, not thinking through what a huge tax haul this is going to be for the state and for localities. So where, where is all this money going to go? Now, well, let me ask a different question. How much money is this going to bring in? What is the tax increase that people are going to see on their tax bill? Oh, gosh. Um, Property tax bill. Right. So to put it one way, it depends on where you live. Uh, but across the state, we're looking at about a little over 30% average increase in property taxes. About, I think 33 is the latest estimate. Douglas <laughs> County, they're estimating se- uh, 47%. Um, in Summit County, they're estimating 60 to 70% increase in property taxes. So it's going to vary across the state. The lower end is sort of southeastern Colorado. You're, you might only see like 20, 25% oh, that's increases. All? Yeah, that's it. That's all just a 25%. Yeah. So uh, what does this mean in real numbers? Well, if, if you're uh, stop, stop there for a second. I, I know you've been on top of this. Is there part of you, as there is for me, that just says, you guys voted for this. I'm sorry, but when you vote in a bunch of 
lying, thieving socialists into the legislature who put on false uh, referendums, false referred measures that lie to voters, and then you voters buy this lie without raising tax rates when it actually raises tax revenue, isn't this part of you going, what? You people believe this stuff, you voted for these shysters, you bought their scam, and now you're going to get 70% tax hikes on, on, on it. There's, there's this one little, I don't know, I'm not proud of it. Don't, I see the John, look, that's I'm a, not proud of it. Hey, John, you know, that's a good question. And you made me think of something in a different way than I had previously. I've, I've been getting a lot of feedback on my videos, especially from conservatives saying, well, but the people, the people voted for this, they're getting what they deserve. And my sympathy has actually been with the people of Colorado because I understand that they were deceived by their politicians. But you make a really good point. They voted for those politicians. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you do, you do, elections have consequences, right? You, you, you vote for lying politicians and they, and they give you a lying ballot measure that you then unwittingly support a tax increase that you don't actually want. Well, I've, I've had sympathy for those people because I understand they were, politicians basically lied on the ballot to them to, to convince them to, to vote for a tax increase. They voted for the politicians. It's, 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 it's ugly. It's ugly. And sometime we're going to have to learn this is what, what you get when you hire lying politicians who say they believe in affordability but keep raising your taxes by calling them fees and then trick you at the ballot box with, uh, with a forked tongue saying, or without raising tax rates, but raising taxes completely. All right, so 70%. Um, I want to get to this one in, in quick time. By the time people see this video that we're making, and we're taping this before the governor and the leadership in the legislature comes up with their solution to this problem because people are going to be hopping mad. And there's no doubt that they're going to come up with a solution to this problem. Uh, what do you think their solution is? Because uh, people are going to head down there with pitchforks when they start realizing that they're going to be paying 50% tax increases for what they did to these homeowners and renters. What do you think they're going to, what do you think this polis solution is going to be? Remember the last time during um, the campaign, he gave us a tax break on the taxes he raised without our permission. We're going to hold off on the gasoline tax uh, that we, that he gave us without permission. There, there's so much to say here, John. I, I want to say this first. They could have come up with a solution months ago when the session started. The reason why they didn't is because they wanted people to get that sticker shock so that at the last minute of the session, they could jump in as heroes and say, look what we've done for you. That sticker shock that you got, that, that valuation you got in the mail, we're going to save you from that. They wanted people to see that first. They didn't want to correct the problem before valuations went out because they wanted to be able to what look like heroes. Point. What a great point. Right? They could have they come up with a deal months ago. Here's what they're going to do. Now, keep in mind, they and by are the way, the reason. they knew what they were doing when they sold us this, this awful uh, initiative. Let me, say, let me say something very obvious. No solution that they come up with is going to be designed to help you. Do you know why? Because helping you would mean reducing their revenues. And they did all of this. They put this whole thing in motion by deceptively convincing Coloradans to repeal Gallagher in order to increase their tax revenues, in order to increase your taxes. That was the whole point of this whole thing. So do you really believe that any solution they come up with is going to help reduce your tax burden? No. 
It would defeat the whole purpose of this whole thing they put, they put in motion three years ago. Here's what they're gonna do. And, and this goes back to the history of what they've already done. In year one, after Gallagher was repealed, 2021, citizens put an initiative on the ballot, Proposition 120, that would have lowered the assessment rate to, and to keep property tax a little bit more in check. They still would have gone up more than they would have under Gallagher, but it would have been better. The legislature killed that measure. We can go into the details of how, but they killed the measure. And in the same bill where they killed the citizen measure that would have given us a significant property tax reduction, again, a reduction from the increase that politicians caused, right? They gave us a tiny, tiny, tiny little rate reduction from 7.15 to 6.95%. And then they went around the state campaigning saying, we cut your property taxes, right? Well, that cut was only about 20% of the increase that they first gave us, right? So they increased it by this much, reeled it back by 20% of that, and then went around saying, we cut your property taxes. I sense a theme here. And I sensed that theme during um, the 2022 campaign season, which is Polis and legislature take this much in tax increases without voter permission because they call it a fee. Therefore, going around Tabor, which requires voter approval, a fee doesn't require voter approval. And then they come back and go, but we're going to step it back this much and call it working for your affordability. So we put in, for the first time in Colorado history, a gas tax, but we call it a fee. That way well, no, we no, no, the gas tax already existed, a gas fee. That's what I was gonna say. So we put in a gas tax, but we do it by calling it a fee, so we don't ask your permission. And then we put it on pause for six months until after the election, and we say we're saving you money. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so so my, my suspicion is, and by the time folks watch this, whatever plan they have done likely will have been launched, and they'll be working to pass it. It'll be something like that, which ratchets back some of the damage that they have caused, but still is gonna give them a huge windfall. A tiny penance of the damage they caused, they'll probably reel in. But here's what's even better, because this is what they did last year, is even that won't be real tax relief. My prediction is even that won't be real tax relief for homeowners, because what they did last year is, again, after causing this massive property tax increase, they did a small reduction, but they did it as a Tabor refund mechanism, right? So to put it simply, let's say they owe you, uh, we got $750 checks in the mail last year, right? I don't know the exact numbers on this, don't, don't hold me to it, but let's say you were actually supposed to get an $850 check, but 100 of that they gave to you as a property tax uh, refund, a property tax relief. So then your check was only 750 and you got a little bit lower property tax bill. Okay, it's not a net, tax relief for me. It's not a net gain for me. You're just deciding where I see that relief. That's most likely what they're going to do is that that Tabor refund, they're going to give part of it to you as property tax relief. And then you're just going to get a smaller Tabor refund. All right, let me see if I'm following you because that's fascinating. You're telling me that we, we're going to get our Tabor refunds anyway. So what they're going to do is instead of giving us a thousand dollar check, which is what we're, what we're owed, they're going to give us a $500 check and then somehow they're gonna cut our property taxes by about $500. And only temporarily. And only temporarily. And it's still a, a huge increase from what you ta your property taxes would have been had they not, they not meddled in the whole thing to begin with. How is that not bordering evil? I mean, that, that what they're doing is taking away our money and, and doing a shell game and saying, oh, here, we're saving you money. Oh, that's, that's our money too. That money is being refunded. It's as if your 
IRS refund is coming to you and it's a thousand bucks, but the IRS cuts it to 500 and then they say, oh, we found an extra saving. We lowered the tax rate. We've lowered the tax rate. Here's, here's a little extra money for you. You know, there's a really simple common sense way to look at all this because you're right in calling it a shell game. The state budget has about doubled in, t in the last decade. And yet politicians keep telling us they're saving us money. For anybody out there with a shred of common sense, how do they double the state budget in 10 years while saving me money? Where's that money coming from to double the budget? <laughs> it's not coming from Santa Claus, unless you call the federal government Santa Claus, and to some extent it is. <laughs> Let me put that in a little different question. State budget has doubled in 10 years. The state population hasn't doubled in 10 years. Inflation hasn't doubled in 10 years. Your wages haven't doubled in that 10 years. That was a question. Has, <laughs> has your income doubled in 10 years? No. Population hasn't doubled in 10 years. Where are they getting all this? They're getting it from us. They're getting it from us, and let's be honest, they're getting it from made-up dollar bills sprinkled from heaven, Washington, D.C., on the backs of our children and our grandchildren. That's true. We'll have to pay for it. That's true. So uh, if there's any real immorality, there's that part as well. That's very true. Exactly. All right. So there are some answers being bantied about. Uh, this fall, perhaps, there's some citizens' initiatives being tried. If the legislature doesn't fix this, and as you say, they're not going to fix it, they're going to they're gonna do some hocus pocus that looks like a fix, but just like the Gallagher repeal itself, it's not a fix, it's a trick. That, that's my prediction, that's your prediction, we'll, and by the time this airs, my guess is we'll be right. There are a couple proposals that are working their way through to become citizen petitions and might be on the ballot, underline might. They're competing, but they kind of sound the same. Give me some descriptions. So there are two, uh, two, two different ideas. One of the ideas, they have several different initiatives they put forward and they're toying with one and they'll end up only putting, trying to get one on the ballot. But the two ideas are this. Um, one is that we limit the growth in property tax revenues to 3% a year, which is similar to my idea of saying, hey, let's limit it to inflation plus new construction. They're saying, let's just limit it to 3% a year, but we're also gonna take away Tabor refunds forever. Okay, that's one option. The other well, that's option- That's a deal for government. Yeah, that's a deal. Um, and look, that'll give a big property tax relief the first year, uh, probably about the same amount, maybe even more property tax relief than what we would lose in our Tabor refund in the first year. But over the long term, it would be a huge net loss to taxpayers, huge net loss. Um, I mean, when I say huge, I mean to the tunes of billions, that $750 check you got in the mail last year, you will never see something like that ever again. Um, the other one, says, okay, we're gonna limit the growth in property tax revenue to 3% a year. Again, similar to what I'm suggesting with the whole limiting it to inflation. But instead of giving up all our Tabor refunds, we're gonna give up $100 million in Tabor refunds to backfill some local expenses, primarily education. Every year? Every year. Every year there is a Tabor refund, it would be giving up $100 million. Now look, I don't like either one of those, but if I could get I think it's some, somewhere in the neighborhood, in, the, in this first year, it'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of $3 billion across the state, less in property taxes, uh, in exchange for giving up 
100 million in Tabor refunds forever? I don't love it because eventually that 100 million will probably catch up with the property tax relief that you get over the long term, maybe, uh, but that'll take 20 years, right? Listen, from, from my old man point of view, 20 years isn't that long. Right, which is why I don't like giving up any of our Tabor refunds. But if you want real relief for homeowners and you're looking at it in a sh- kind of short-sighted way, like, hey, we need relief now because the legislature hasn't acted, the legislature hasn't done anything, then uh, initiative what's being called Initiative 21 would be the, really the one option that we have that would, that would provide the most relief right now. So these are battling. And one would say, we're going to limit growth of, of assessments to, to 3%. Does that mean it has to go up by 3%? Because sometimes ceilings just become floors. No. I mean, if, if, if we're in a recession and home values go down and homes are revalued and property tax revenues come in low and maybe they even drop, then the, 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 the limit just has no effect. Because sometimes I wonder if we're about ready to hit such a period. Uh, For the last decade or so, Colorado has been the place to move. You can't find a house, you can't find a house, you can't find a house, you can't find a house. Well, mortgage rates are up. Crime is up. Denver is now one of the top 10 cities people are leaving. Repeat that, because I think people need to know that, including our city council and mayor who, who, who don't enforce any of the laws. Denver now sits on a top 10 list along with San Francisco and Seattle and New York City and Chicago and Detroit as top, top cities in America people are leaving. Rats leaving a sinking ship. And so what does that mean to property values in Denver in the metro area? Yeah. They go down. They go down. They go down, which means while property taxes in Denver are going to go skyrocketing because the assessments were for at the peak, was it last year? Last June. Last June. Last June, which was still the peak of the peak of the peak. May was the peak, I believe, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So the assessments for taxes were at the peak of the peak of the peak of the peak of the market nationwide and here in Colorado. But right now we're at the, we're just at the beginning of the downslope and it could be a real downslope. It could be. We don't know, but we know that in Colorado or in the Denver metro area, prices have already come down around 5% since the peak. So that's, that's not inconsequential. It's, it, that's actually a very, very rapid drop. It's a, it's a more rapid drop than we saw at the start of the 08 housing crash. Really? Yes. Good thing for those people looking to buy a house, but for those who, who see those property uh, assessments and think that's good today, no, that was a year ago. Um, and so you're getting taxed on what it was worth a year ago. And when home today. values are, are reassessed in two years, you know, likely you'll have property taxes dropping because home values have come down. And um, that ceiling that we put in place to protect us from this shock that we're getting this year, that ceiling may not even be hit, but our Tabor refunds will still be gone. What happens if neither one of these citizens initiative passes and nothing at the legislature passes? Then it will be very, very painful for Coloradans for two years. And then what happens from there will, deter- will be determined, determined by the housing market. What do you think? 
I think that if you're concerned about the short term, if you're concerned about seniors in Summit County being priced out of their home and being forced to sell because their property taxes went up 70%, then it's probably worth uh, doing Initiative 21, where we only give up 100 million of our Tabor refunds forever in exchange for dodging this, ma this massive property tax increase in the short term. I think that if you're looking over a much longer time horizon, 20, 30 years, I think that we should protect Tabor refunds at all costs. And do nothing at all. As painful as that would be for homeowners in the short term, it would make, we would all be better off. We, I'd have to do the numbers and look at it more closely, but I believe that we'd likely all be better off on net over the long term. And of course, whatever the legislature does, doesn't prevent the citizens, um, these two warring um, factions going to the ballot, putting their stuff on anyway. So the legislature could put on this temporary relief, which you and I speculate is going to be a shell game. They're going to take some money that they were going to refund to us anyway and give it to us in the form of property tax relief. Yeah, and I, and I think it's likely they'll do some kind of truth in taxation where uh, they basically uh, don't allow local governments to collect over a certain amount of revenue. So they kind of put, push off the, the burden of making the hard decisions on the local government. I think you might see some of that. Somebody's watching this because they've fallen down and they can't get up to change the channel. Um, <laughs> they go, I'm a renter. What are you two yucks talking about? I'm a renter. This ain't my problem. I don't have to pay for any of this. Yeah, that's naive. Uh, I mean, look, your, your landlord's property tax bill goes up $1,200. That's $100 a month. Your rent's going up $100 a month. That's the way it is. They're not going to absorb that cost for you. Are you kidding? No. So, and, and by the way, Colorado Department of Revenue data shows this. If you look at their tax profile report that they put out every two years, they actually, um, in, in the, they show who carries the tax burden of different taxes, sales taxes, property taxes. It gets really nerdy. But they so actually- So you love it. So I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but they actually say in there, like, they don't even explain it. It's just like, as a matter of like, yeah, of course, they show renters paying property taxes. Really? Mm-hmm. And do rent not directly, but because they, they understand so. because they understand that renters pay property taxes. And also, when there's more crime and property gets vandalized, your insurance rates go up and they pay that too. So renters pay for that. Well, what I think is actually likely to, to happen is, you know, the, the increase in rent tends to the change in rents tends to lag the change in home prices in the economy, right? So home prices are now are no longer rising. They've kind of dipped a little bit, but rents are just now peaking a year later. Rents are going to start dipping probably. And what's like, what I believe is likely to happen is rents may just stay more stable rather than decreasing more in Colorado because landlords who would have otherwise maybe lowered rent as the rental market comes down will just keep rents where they are, right, uh, to offset that increase in their property tax bill. So renters who've been seeing their rents skyrocket for two years they're going to see a leveling out of rents as a good thing, and they're not going to feel the burden of that property tax being passed on to them because what they don't know and what they're not going to realize is that, no, 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 your rent would have actually gone down instead of stayed stable or whatever, right? Like, they're not going to understand that they're paying it. What's odd is that the governor, the governor has been fighting for his little pet bill, Senate Bill 213, which is this bill to create 
infill density in, in cities, or it's to force state-run zoning, basically. Put, put homes in people's backyards against the city's will, your local zoning. Um, and the idea was this was going to make more affordable housing. Although more density doesn't mean more affordable homes. Look at my hometown of Boulder. They keep squeezing in more homes, and it doesn't mean more affordability. Look at Portland. But because of all the policies, because of all the crime, and now uh, with people moving out, we might finally get his dream of a home for every budget because people are leaving. And with property taxes going sky high because of this, more people are going to leave. Could be, could be a great time to buy that mountain property if property taxes make, make older couples, older people have to give up, give up their home. Yeah, that and, and you know, if the housing market does decline, then you will see people panic selling at some point, second homes and that sort of yep. thing before the market totally crashes. Uh, you're right, there could be opportunities. I mean, now we're getting into predicting what's going to happen with the housing market and this sort of thing. And I, I have my own opinions on that. But but you're, but you're fundamentally, you're right. If the housing market declines, if, if, if people leave the state, all those things will drive prices down, which will drive property taxes down. But the, pay, the economic pain of people leaving the state and all that will be far worse than your savings and property taxes two, two or three years from now. It's, it is amazing. People want to see these videos. Again, YouTube, go to the channel IITV. IITV3, I think is what it's called. IITV number three. Just That's go, the handle. Just search for IITV. You'll <laughs> see it. You'll, you'll see it. You'll, you'll see, see it. it. Look for your pretty mug. By the way, you do the best faces for your mugs. Go, go. Show the folks one of your one of my like. There, that's that's the one that made you an international <laughs> that, that's sensation. That's famous. Yeah, yeah. Hey Ben, thanks so much. This is a great, depressing conversation. All right, thanks, John. If you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend, and I hope you'll subscribe and follow the show. We have new ones released weekly. Remember, this audio was taken from our TV show. To watch it, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations.